frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. everybody welcome to film code my name is phoenix cloudin joined as always by the two greatest co-hosts in the world we have fresh out of bed and maybe out of something else zach sneef zach how are you sir <laughs> man uh well thanks for that intro i'm doing fantastic we're not going to talk about last night but it was a fun night so yeah i'm doing great i bet all right yeah. <laughs> also joined by our season three code breaking champion <laughs> Brandon, sir, how are you? Man, I am good, Phoenix. I'd like to, I'd like to throw in there. We should throw a little cut that, cut that, cut that in there. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little towards the beginning. Uh, no, it is good to be back. It is good to be talking. Finally, another movie in depth. Um, we, uh, we kind of just our last video. We kind of just um, did a, just a quick summer wrap up. We just ran through just bunch of different movies we saw throughout the summer um some of us saw movies that others didn't so we didn't really get to correlate other films that we would have liked to talk about um i i I think we forgot to mention that um last week so we're like some of us didn't get a chance to catch little mermaid some of us didn't watch machine so like there's just there's a few films we missed here and there but um yeah if you guys haven't listened to that video and you guys want to hear our thoughts um of of those films please uh go watch our our uh, our catch-up video and come back here yes, but yeah sir. all that to say i am doing good phoenix how are you buddy oh i am incredible and especially shocked that i'm awake because i went and saw this movie at like 10 o'clock last night didn't get out of the theater till like 1 40 in the morning didn't get home to almost 2 30 and and i'm up i'm like wide awake this is disgusting so, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm very, very, very excited to talk about this movie. We are, of course, discussing the seventh installment in the Mission Impossible franchise, Dead Reckoning, part one. Uh, we got our crew back. Tom, uh, Tom Cruise is back. We got Ving Rhames, Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg. Uh, we're also joined this time by Haley Atwell and uh, was it Eli Morales or Isai Morales? I have to check that one. Uh, who plays Gabriel? And we also oh get, yeah no, yeah Isai Morales. Isai Morales, yeah. And we also get uh, Palm Clementine as well. Uh, this is of course directed by uh, this is the third or fourth in the series directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, and this time. Oh, we also have Vanessa Kirby. How could I forget her? Um, and this time we have we have Ethan and his team. They are taking on an AI weapon that is pretty significant, I would say. <laughs> so uh, I had the amazing pleasure of watching all of the Mission Impossible movies before this one. So I literally had six movies to catch up on before watching this. And it was a 
thrilling experience. You know, <laughs> I it's, must it's, say. it's shocking that she would do this for for one film franchise, but not any others. Mm. Like Jurassic Park no. or Indiana Jones. Absolutely not. <laughs> Only do it for the good stuff, buddy. <laughs> uh, like, but yeah, so I finally got to see all of the Mission Impossible movies. Fantastic journey. And landed right in time to see Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oof, I have a lot of thoughts, but first I want to hear what you guys think. Uh, Brandon, why don't you start us off with your non-spoiler thoughts? On- yeah, man, uh, right off the bat, um, I just want to say huge, like I put this in my review on Letterboxd, huge props to Tom Cruise for being 60s, for, for being in his 60s yeah, and still doing wild stunts like he's doing right now. Yeah. massive props like i don't see anybody else doing that that's just wild but um like I, that's another thing i'm pulling from my letterbox reviews just like for me um i i didn't i had it i i did what you did i just marathoned all the uh mission possible films like a week or two before this came out for the first time like i had seen fallout and i think i had seen ghost protocol because i didn't know like back when I was younger, um, when Ghost Protocol came out, I thought it was just it's one off film, mm. so I saw it, and then I'm like, cool, I'll go see Fallout in theaters. And then I watched the entire franchise the past couple weeks. The entire franchise itself is actually really good. Um, mm-hmm. like even like, listen, Mission Impossible Two is not a good movie, but at the same time, it has some awesome moments to it. Um, just like. Tom Cruise's stunt work, man. Just like when he's hanging off the side of the mountain and all that, it's just crazy. And, the, and then that that knife sequence where he gets like that, where he gets like this close to his eye with the knife, that was yeah. real. That actually yeah. happened. Like, could you imagine had he gone like one inch like closer? That man would have lost his eye. Mm-hmm. That is like, <laughs> if I was the camera guy, I'd be shaking. <laughs> like, even if a stunt cameraman, I'd be like, oh god. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, no. All I'd say, huge props to Tom Cruise still doing stunts in his sixties, like even back then. But um, but yeah, no. Leading up to this film, I, like the hype for it wasn't really there because I knew an entire franchise had existed by this point. And for me, just the hype wasn't there until I went to opening night of Way of Water in IMAX, and they showed that that like behind the scenes featurette of him pulling off the mountain stunt for real. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm invested. I want to go see this movie. Like mm-hmm. I need to go see this movie. So yeah, no, it, I was, I keep saying all that to say, but all that to say, I was thoroughly invested and I was satisfied with this movie. It did what across the spider verse wasn't able to and gave us an ending. Uh, not, not the shade thrown, bro. We are, we are already going to, Hardcore on shade thrown. On a bad note. Uh, so Zach, what did you think? <laughs> oh man, I was I was uh, really happy with what I saw. Uh, Tom Cruise, man, like Brandon said, his stunt work is just you like you. There's no, you can't find that anywhere. Like it's just yeah. <laughs> unbeatable. Like and overall, going into the movie. Um, I wasn't really sure, like, even though I saw, like, the sun, I was okay, but, like, that's one sun, like, let's see, like, the story and, like, how that's gonna go, and I was actually pretty impressed, I thought that the storyline was actually really well written, and they did a great job of it, so, 
I was happy with what I saw going into it. I wasn't expecting like a lot, but I came out like very overly satisfied with that movie. Yeah, so let me just check here. Okay. I'd also like to mention, um, speaking of Tom Cruise stunt work, um, I've seen him, shout out to the cinema chat. We were having this discussion yesterday. Uh, a lot of people were saying Keanu's stunt work is, uh, he's just a better stunt man. Listen, <laughs> listen, John Keanu Reeves is great, but like, if you, I don't know if you know this, Phoenix, or, or I don't even know if Zach knows this, that sequence in uh, in Rogue Nation where he's mm-hmm. taking off in the plane, like he's holding on to it as it takes off, that was real. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, like, when I found out that was real, I was like, no freaking way. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, yeah, Tom Cruise is insane. Uh, <laughs> he's absolutely insane. Uh, but, man, this... Yeah, so I just checked. So uh, it is the third one done by Christopher McQuarrie, but the next one will will be his fourth because he's also doing that one. But he did Rogue Nation, he did Fallout, and he's and he's done this one. I would argue three of the top <laughs> Mission Impossible movies belong to Christopher McQuarrie. Um, but this movie was excellent. <laughs> like it was excellent um especially because i got to see it in imax so like seeing it on that giant screen you get the full like effect of it there are certain scenes where it's like this thing rocks <laughs> like just being able to see it in that level it works so well and like you can tell they had that in mind when designing a lot of these these uh set pieces like I don't want to jump ahead, but like there's a particular scene in an airport that is fabulous. <laughs> okay, like fabulous. Um, there's a scene in Rome where they're driving. Like, I'm like, how they conducted that, shot that. Oh, that had to take days, maybe weeks. <laughs> like, because it's such a huge, huge piece and it goes on for so long. Uh, I think they do an amazing job of that. There are, I will say, there are some issues that I have with this movie, like small little issues, but they do kind of bother me. Um, but uh, other than that, overall, man, I was just, I was just blown away. Like, and I, and I said this, uh, you know, the other day on Twitter, it's like, um, Mission Impossible has to be the first franchise that I've ever sat through where there genuinely isn't a bad movie. Like, there's some movies that aren't as good as others, but there's not a bad movie in this I completely franchise. agree with you. Like, yeah. I completely agree with you. Like, Mission Impossible 2, like, it is not good, but, like, it's it's not the most, like, it's a very forgettable movie. Yeah. It has some great aspects to it, stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, like, I wouldn't put it up against, like, you know, a, another top action franchise or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the series as a whole, I, I would probably take it over just about anything because it's just it like to me is and, and the crazy part is to me it's not even just the action that that puts it over. It's the fact that these missions are so intricate and so like well developed that you're like, whoa! Like I've seen a bunch of other like spy thriller kind of movies. And they have very thin plots, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, hey, you got to stop this one guy. 
because he's got this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. But with these movies, they're like, hey, not only do we have to stop this guy because they have this, we have to get this, retrieve it, find out why they want it. The, you know what I'm saying? There's other uh, agencies involved. There's other people involved. It's, it's black market dealings. It's a whole, whole idea. And they're very fully realized. And like to get all of that and to keep that going for so long, I mean, that's just a testament to incredible, incredible writing, incredible mm-hmm. vision. And I, I dug it, man. Like this whole movie, I, I just, I had a ball with it. Yeah, man. Um, so should we break the seal of spoilers here? I think it is time. Yes. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. This is a, this is officially your official uh, spoiler alert. have not seen the film uh pause here go see the film come back um and yeah let's get into it all right so I, there yeah. was in the very beginning of the film so i went to go see this with jeremy and my buddy trent mm-hmm. and as soon as the movie started and we started seeing the submarine my friend looked to me and was like he made a joke about this he's like did you know that like um that they're, they're going so far into the next one that they're they're deciding to go explore the Titanic, and we just we just laughed it off as a joke, and then the end of the film, they're actually going to deep sea, yeah, to find something in the ocean. <laughs> and as that as the thing comes as the camera comes zooming in on the submarine, I just see my friend with his hand over his mouth trying so hard not to laugh. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> Oh, it's not funny, but <laughs> I get what you. But like, so, like, yeah, we kick off with the submarine. Uh, I have no idea what's going on here. I guess they they were stealth, and then someone else entered their vicinity, tried to attack them. But it, it turns out, I guess it was just it was, the it was the entity. Yeah, it was the entity playing a trick on them, making them fire one of their uh, torpedoes. And then the torpedo came back and hit them. It was actually kind of genius. So, like, basically the idea. So the entity is a real thing. Like, it's it's an AI that went rogue on its own. So, like, okay. Okay, because I thought somebody else had gotten control of it, maybe remotely and made it, you know, and do that. But basically it just it's just erratic, and it chose to, to go off on its own. Um, which is dope. <laughs> like, like I'm like, okay, that's a bit dope. And especially because we are in an age talking, I mean, we're literally, what, day three of, of an actor's strike over artificial intelligence being used improperly. So, like, yeah, you, you really couldn't have planned this better. Like, like so I thought it was a genius uh, concept to to have it came out at the exact right time again this is why i say i, I really enjoyed this movie because uh yeah but on top of that you got a great actor as our villain uh isai isai morales is that it yeah isai morales isai morales as gabriel is probably i want to say top 
two or three uh, Mission Impossible villains for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because dude is calculating, frightening, authoritative, manipulative. He's he's good, like, and he's very scary. And the, I think it's just the, the the fact that he's so calm that drives so much of his his dialogue that works. And like, yeah, so definitely one of my favorites. As soon as I saw him in the trailer, like as soon as I saw him in the trailer, because I I know him from Ozark. Mm. As soon as I saw him from the trailer, I'm like, this man is going to be like top tier Mission Impossible villain. Like I haven't even seen the franchise yet. And I already know like, Mm. like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Issa Morales are neck and neck right now. Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's no argument there. Um, But no, going back to Isai Morales, um, apparently Tom and Isai have been friends since they were like 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, which is great because bringing him onto this film was the perfect choice. But like, I'm just, I'm glad Isai is finally getting noticed in this, like the world of film because mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's really done much post Ozark and he mm-hmm. was great in Ozark. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how he'll be in part two. <clears throat> Yeah, um, so I think, honestly, my favorite part of the whole thing, um, I I think overall, as far as the story goes, that my favorite part would be, like, um, the whole, like, the whole thing with the AI, like, I think, like, they did a really good job with portraying, uh, like, an AI like he's an actual villain and not like a like a weird like or tacky way like because like with that you can go like so far into it where it, it's like it's very sci-fi and it kind of is a little bit but it's realistic like it wasn't blown out of proportion or anything like that um and it shows like the depth of how it, smart AI can be and I think they did such a good job with that I love that whole part about the movie like just the, the way that they made the villain, I think is my favorite part. Like how like how it's just this like what really AI could actually be, how dangerous it could be. One of my favorite scenes is when because especially we've been seeing um throughout this franchise, like how they, you know, take over people's identities and, and like mimic their voice, whatever. So I thought it was so cool that at some, at one point the AI takes over and it's, and it copies Benji's voice and leads, yeah. you know, leads Ethan away from where, where he's supposed to be. So I just thought that like, it's like, we, we've had this long time of them, you know, getting one ups uh, because of that. And then, to, to, now to it's outsmarting it. them right it's thrown on them so i thought that was just excellent and and i agree like it definitely could have gone into like fiction you know what i'm saying it could have gone into fiction where you're like okay it's starting to get a little maybe supernatural or like just too un too unrealistic but i love that they kept it fairly simple like you can't be on di- on digital anything because this thing will be able to find you and and you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and and take over um and yeah and it uses your skills against you because it's learned so much about you i thought that was brilliant like really really good stuff uh so let's talk about specific scenes because there's so many 
great I, freaking scenes in this movie. Uh, I, I want to get the airport sequence so bad. Yes, we, let, let, let's start there. The airport sequence is by that far was amazing. so freaking good. Oh like, my god! Everybody's praising the train scene, and don't get me wrong, the train, the Train's whole great. train sequence is freaking <laughs> awesome. Personally, for me, the airport sequence takes the cake. I yeah. love this sequence so much. Um, just from the pacing of it, the editing, the 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 cat and mouse of of uh, Ethan with the FBI agents or the CIA agents, um, so good. Just there are just so many moments where I'm like, I can't believe they thought of that. <laughs> One of my favorites is when they're looking for him and they can't find him. And he's literally on the roof running right behind. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he could be anywhere right now. He's running. <laughs> it, was it was so good. But yeah, you're right. Like the cat and mouse aspect of it, like uh, how they're like digitally putting his face on, on random strangers, making him go to, to those places. Uh, just throwing them off, man. And it plays so well. You got... Uh, then you throw in, you know, Haley Atwell being a thief, stealing the key. Uh, and then you have, you know, the bomb that's that's there that they have to solve. It's all like, talk about like ratcheting up the tension every single moment throughout this film, uh, like throughout just this scene, right? And all it is really is setting up the players and, and the, the plot and mm -hmm. what we're after. That's what they're doing in this scene, but the way they do it and the way that they use like all these characters and this setting and this environment to, to create all of those, it's extraordinarily well done writing. Very well done writing. Yeah. I, it picked up like right away too with the desert scene. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it did. I've completely forgot about that desert sequence. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. like yeah it they they wasted no time getting you involved in this movie and I love that but they did in like a very natural way where it didn't feel like it was forced like oh you have to you know they're like throwing all this stuff at you like it didn't feel like that at all it was very natural the way they did it mm -hmm. see what well, what what I love about the airport sequence is like it feel if like if it was like earlier time Mission Impossible that would totally be a third act somewhere. Oh, yeah. Like without him, without Ethan Hunt, like escaping the cops or whatever, or the FBI or CIA. I keep forgetting what faction they're part of. I think they're CIA. Okay, um, but like that would totally be a third act back in the day of, of like them trying to get the key from each other. Um, uh, Gabriel showing up, he would like he would have had a bigger role, but just there was just it. It's so great to see just how much dedication and time is just put into the or put, put into these movies man like cuz not every movie does that nowadays and i just it's great i totally um, didn't realize this but um and i should have i don't know why it's totally left my mind but one of the cia agents that's chasing him is greg tarzan davis uh who was a coyote in top gun maverick i didn't even realize ah. that. <laughs> oh wow and, yeah. yeah that's awesome and so, the other the other one um he was uh he was the cop and joker that was chasing arthur mm -hmm. and yeah. it's uh they had a little uh um agent carter reunion because he was an agent carter with Haley atwell ah nice yeah and it also has uh charles parnell 
in this movie who was um was uh his superior one of his superiors in uh Top Gun Maverick as well. Um the guy who's like, you know, uh the one who was somewhat on Maverick's side when he was like, uh, I think the captain's asking a rhetorical question. That yeah. guy. <laughs> so yeah. A lot of top gun love in here. Some some yeah. But that's cool. I didn't even realize that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but man, this just this whole airport sequence, I just I love when um What is his name again? Simon Pegg's character. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Benji. Benji. I, I thought it was for some reason I had like Gingy in my head. <laughs> Benji. Man, like when he finds the bomb and he's having to like and um what is what is the other guy's name? I'm sorry. Luther? Luther, yes, thank you. Cut that, cut that, cut that. Mm-hmm. All right. But yeah, when um when uh Luther's having to balance both Ethan and Benji's little missions here. Like I like before us dive into this, I love like they all have dedicated screen time to to this now. Um but when he has to keep switching back and forth and then um and then Luther's like, Hey, hey Ethan, I'm so sorry to bother you. What's the what's the answer to this riddle? <laughs> and they keep just going back and forth of just they're trying to disarm the bomb, but at the same time he's just trying to balance both missions. It's it's just so well like wrote out and storyboarded i just like i knew from that from that sequence i'm like okay this is getting five stars <laughs> yeah like honestly that airport sequence is top notch in terms of writing execution top notch um yeah we totally skipped over the desert scene but like yeah like as far as like a action scene just to get you right into the movie the pacing of it, I mean, brilliant. Like, we got the setting alone is just magnificent. Like, it's on the screen especially. But then, like, like when they when that sandstorm was hitting, like, I was genuinely, I was genuinely like, man, like, I feel like sand is in my eye. Like, it's going so <laughs> fast. I'm like, and then you got everybody shooting at each other. It, it just works so well. Like, this movie is two hours and 24 minutes long or something, and I never felt the runtime. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how much it just goes, right? It's, yeah. it's just, it's paced so incredibly well because you get a scene like that that's go all the time. And then I think that scene is intercut with uh, the scene of them describing the entity to, to the director of intelligence. So like you have one scene that's full throttle all the way, and then you got another one that's like super slow crawling to a you know to a to a snail's pace, and yet it works so well because it, both scenes move the story forward. So yeah. it's just it, it's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, like you, you brought up a great point about like not feeling the runtime. Like I remember when the movie ended because I didn't know how long this film was when I went mm-hmm. into it. Movie ended. And I look at my watch, I'm like, is it really almost 11 o'clock? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how? That thing zooms. And like, and I swear, like, I was like, even when I, because I'm like, maybe the movie started at like 11, right? So when I looked at my watch and it was 140, I was like, really? <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, we we sat through that. Like, that's the whole movie. But yeah, because I'm like, 
it just it just goes but and it's so good so good and there's there are some moments like we'll get to one of them. actually that scene where um they're explaining the entity to to the director of intelligence that is one of those scenes where i have some slight nitpicks and it's because of how like we go like the airport scene is like top tier writing but this scene is like amateur hour <laughs> like like kind of amateur hour like why do we need five people explaining what the entity is and why are they finishing each other's sentences and shit like it was so weird it would be like one person would say like two three things then the next person would pick up then another person would, it was like it's like what are we this is this musical chairs why are, why is everyone talking after each other in like in like harmony like this is so freaking weird I mean, so, I mean, to be fair, like AI is not really well known to people. Like, I mean, if I was sitting in a room, five different people, I too would be like, "Okay, explain to me, the, explain this to me, like I'm five. No, no, I totally get that. I just think it's the way it's written. Like, I feel like one person could have said, you know, the bulk of of the lines here. Another person could have chimed in a little bit later. Maybe somebody goes off of what they say to to answer another question, but it it wasn't like that. It was literally like, it was literally like, this is the entity and it does this. Oh, and also like, and and it and it just kept going like, and this person adds another line, and this person adds another. It just felt very like overly coordinated, <laughs> like like to me. That's at least that's how it read. That's how it sounded, and I was just like. I don't know. I feel like that could have been written a little bit better. It was just mm. a little wonky to me. But that's a minor. That's a minor nitpick. <laughs> the Venice minor. scenes were great, too. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> that entire <laughs> car chase. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, like was amazing. I don't want to jump to the end real quick, <laughs> but, like, my jaw dropped when tom cruise hopped off the motorcycle and the, like it's it's blurred out because you're seeing it through Haley atwell's concussion mm-hmm. you're seeing it through grace's concussion and you just see a motorcycle plow two guys down i'm like <laughs> no way oh okay but, that, um, like yeah no go ahead go ahead dude no, just I'll that see. entire sequence is just choreographed so well like like, see, something Indiana Jones did. They had like a three person, like a three, like a three way car chase. Mm-hmm. This one, about actually, I'm talking about like Indiana Jones having a three way car chase. This yeah. one was like a yeah, four. Like, you talking Dial of Destiny? Or are you talking I'm talking Dial of Destiny. That that okay. uh, when uh, they're chasing after Voller, um, and you have the the mafia going after them. It was just an okay chase. Yeah. Here is actually thought out and planned out well, and actually has reason for all these characters being after each other. You have the cops, or uh, yeah, you have you have the the French cops or the Italian cops. Mm-hmm. You have the CIA. You have um, Palm Clementif, who uh, who works for Gabriel, mm-hmm. and you have Grace and Ethan. Mm-hmm. That entire chase. It's just so good. <laughs> it was funny to me the way like they were uh, trying to avoid the police while also like trying not to get rammed by uh, 
Paris for implementing. And then also trying not to get arrested <laughs> by the CIA. And like, I lost it when they got into the little yellow Fiat. Oh, <laughs> my God. yeah. Dude, when they got there, and then he couldn't start the car. <laughs> like, man, we were dying in the theater, bro. That was just the funniest thing ever. It, yeah, when he was like, yeah, I just, I'm, just give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and he hits the, the windshield wipers. Oh, man. He said something like, they update these things all the time. Right. They figure it out. I love the allegory of like an older Ethan Hunt who can't get the car started. And, <laughs> like, I just think that's hilarious. Um, like she's very patient. <laughs> she's like, oh no, yeah, sure, take your time. <laughs> but yeah, I like that scene, the driving in that scene. Like that's that's what I know took weeks to 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 shoot. Mm-hmm. I know that took weeks because like the driving in it is insane. You got at least five different cameras on each car. The stunts you, you have to pull off. Do you think he really went down the steps? <laughs> I could totally believe it. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I mean, I don't see why not. If he's willing to jump off a mountain. Yeah, it's like downstairs in a yellow Fiat backwards. That's Tuesday. This is this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a Tuesday for me. <laughs> yeah, but no, like that scene was great, but this does get to another one of my nitpicks. And this one I'm a little bit harsher on. I love Haley Atwell. Okay? Make no mistake about it. <laughs> Haley Atwell is, is mm, top tier. <laughs> but her character was pissing me off <laughs> this whole movie. Like, right up until, like, midway point. She was, she was literally getting on my nerves. It's like, this guy saves you from, uh, I don't know, um, prison multiple times, uh, you know, stops you getting killed, like, at least twice, maybe three times, right? And you keep running from him. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why do you, what, what exactly are you, like, it was killing me. I'm like, this dude has saved your life. Save like you know, saved you from from prison, from from being arrested, from being killed, and you keep running away from him. Like it's literally your fault that we lose Ilsa because you want to keep and running. Like she pissed me off beyond reproach for like the first hour of this movie. I was like, dude, I at this point I'm like, kill her. Like I'm like, shoot her in the head because she's pissing me off. Like she redeems herself, but damn it if she wasn't pissing me off the first hour. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Uh I, I'd like to throw up in her defense. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, you hardly know this person. Yeah, he's saved you out of he's got you out of a couple pickles here and there. But when you're literally about to get like shot down multiple times. It's a survival of the fittest. Like, I wouldn't want to be like, like Zach, no offense, but if you and I like got into a shootout with somebody and like it was a matter of life or death, I'd be running away. So, I mean, in in Grace's defense, I also agree. I would have gotten the hell out of there. Like, I I agreed up to a certain point. Like at the at the airport, totally agree. 
totally agree. Even at the police station, like, okay, fine, sure. But by the time you've been in the 20-minute car chase and this dude oh, saved yeah. your life twice, like, when she, like, leaves the car and she has him handcuffed to the wheel and a train is coming, I'm like, bro, like, you don't you don't know if he survives that. Like, I would have, like, at that point, I would have been like, yo, F this chick, bro. Like, she, she owns some trash. Because, like, like, how, like, really? Like, you would be dead by now. At least twice. <laughs> like, but also on Tom Cruise's character's part, he keeps going after her. Yeah, he's he's a little simp to, to in this movie. But <laughs> I'm like, which I also didn't understand because I'm like, Rebecca, Ilsa is right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I think the way they have this written, and this is my gets to my other complaint. Uh I loved the relationship between Ethan and Ilsa uh, in both what, in both, uh, was it Ghost Protocol? Yeah, I think it was Ghost Protocol. No, it was Rogue Nation. In both Rogue Nation and Fallout. Like, their relationship is awesome. Like, you can tell there's something there. You can tell that, like, they, they want to be together. And it seems like they're, like, ever since Julia... They're like, we can't put Ethan with anybody. He's got to keep jumping around. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, here's this great, great character that y'all paired him up with for three movies, making us think like we're going to get there. And then you kill her. Like, I'm like, why? Why on earth would you do that? To me, that just, that just, that's one decision I did not like in this movie. Like, completely did not like is I get it for the story, I get it for the stakes, but I'm like, I would have rather kept Ilsa, man, like, like wholehearted. Also, I didn't understand why they kept making uh, Haley Atwell's character such, like, a big tie to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, one of them dies. Like, what, what really does he have that invested in her? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he just met her. He literally just met her. And like, don't get me wrong, I I would instantly fall in love with Haley Atwell too. But like, like, like after a certain point, you're like, dude, like between Elsa and her, it's like, I'm sorry, like I know Ilsa more, like I'm like, like, but yeah, it just I, <laughs> I did not like that decision. I didn't like it. I like, I want, I don't. I don't understand why we had, I mean, I get it for stakes. For stakes, you have to raise the stakes. Someone on your team has to go. But it just pained me that we lost someone that I feel like we were building a great relationship out of. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and I was just like, and just to introduce this character, literally in this movie, like, I thought, I like, before... I started watching the franchise. I thought Haley Atwell, this was maybe her second or third film in the franchise. Turns out, no, like she's literally introduced in this movie. So I'm like, we're, we're putting a new love interest in a movie with the previous love interest. And then we're going to kill the previous love interest. I don't like that. 
And then on top of that, you, like the new love interest for much of the movie is a dick. Like she's just like just making nonsensical decisions. Like when she kept running, I was like, okay, maybe there's a reason she keeps running and we'll figure it out. Like maybe there's someone she's working for or, you know, she's got some other entity in mind or, or yeah, maybe it is just for self-protection or whatever. But I'm like, after a certain point, you're like, dude, stop. <laughs> yeah. So that was the only thing that was irritating me. Uh, her and those two characters, both of whom I love. I love the actresses and I love the characters, but they were, that whole situation just irritated me to, to no end. And I, and I would argue while a great writing decision for the stakes, a poor writing decision for the character. Right. That's that's all I'd say about that. <laughs> no, I, I do I do kind of agree with that. Like dude, I cried so much during her death. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not really that much, but slow I like a little deer. Right. I was like, oh no. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they kind of went with that. Maybe there's uh, I don't know, maybe there was maybe she didn't want to keep doing the movies after that or no, no, I could see that. So yeah. maybe it was like a, a personal decision to to leave it, but uh, I hate it. I just hate it so much. Um <laughs> uh, but that scene where she fights uh Gabriel, that sword fight scene. Mwah. <laughs> see I... beautiful that's probably like like the airport scene is number one that fight scene is probably my number two favorite uh set piece of this movie because it's just gorgeously shot like yeah you got the rotating camera to those beautiful shots it's so good oh my god plus the, the alley the alley fight between um oh, yeah. paris and uh ethan yeah. oh my god that was awesome <laughs> Tom Clemente's man, wow! Like, I'm like the whole time I'm thinking Mantis, really? But like, nah, she she got skills. And like, I didn't I was, realize that was her at first. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I I really did not realize that was her until like, I think Brandon sent me something the day after. I was like, wait, Tom Clemente? <laughs> I was like, wait, same same person? That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Quite a transformation, like. So that's what I, I, I liked her. You know, I liked her character. <laughs> yeah, she was yeah. she was cold because she was like the silent killer, and she was yeah. deadly. She was deadly. <laughs> I see. You think he did those stunts? Mm, I don't know. Something about being in a movie with Tom Cruise, I felt like you'd be like, I'll try at least one of them. <laughs> like, like, like Tom's like, come on, <laughs> like. You can do one, right? Like, yeah. So I feel yeah, like I'm curious to know, like, if she did, yeah, do her stunts because those were pretty insane. Like that that alleyway scene was crazy. That was a, yeah, because I'm like, you talking like a limited space to be able to move and then create a. Then fight you scene. have a camera somewhere in there, right? Like, yeah, dude, it was it was insane. I when that scene came out, I was like, how did they how did they shoot this? <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence, like from the club to 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 uh, to Ilsa's death, is like really, really gorgeously shot. Mm -hmm. like, like beautiful cinematography. The club scene is fantastic. 
I love that they have the entity it, like as like the, uh, as the uh, background of the <laughs> yeah yeah like just insane visuals. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, man, Vanessa Kirby as the White Widow has got to be one of my favorite characters in this entire franchise because she's like both like deadly and dangerous, but at the same time like so goofy and like unserious, and I love that character. And like, there's a shot of her looking at um, Grace, like just the background, the clothes she's wearing, the eyes. It's like, ooh, like dude, she's so awesome. I love that character. I hope she comes back in the next one. I hope she comes back for the rest of this franchise. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, like from that to the alley fight to to the sword fight, it's just all like incredibly beautifully stylized it looks so so good absolutely yeah fantastic like when it comes to these set pieces that they have for all their action scenes they they outdid themselves like like i'm not gonna lie they outdid themselves like you got the airport scene you got the 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 desert scene you got the club scene the alley fight the sword fight we got a car race in Venice. Like all of it is big, but also just expertly shot and visually stunning. I, I like how they write Luther off in this movie. Um, Smart by him being like, "Yeah, I need to go. Like, I need to unplug from the world and go off the grid to try and find out what's in this drive." So that's still going for us to see what's going to happen in part two. But now we get to the best. Um, third act I've seen in a while. <laughs> so yeah, the train sequence, sir. This train sequence, man. <laughs> oh man, which part? Like it's like it's so elaborate. That's that's the that's the word that I have to use for for this movie and for much of the Mission Impossible franchise is elaborate. Like, there's so much detail and intricacy to even one moment in the film. Like, this train sequence, it, it's got so many layers to it. It's got, you know, all of a sudden, uh, the director of intelligence is there. The, the IMF leader is there. Uh, we got, you know, we got a, a swap Vanessa Kirby there. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Ethan has can't get on the train because dude, you know Gabriel like, broke the Gabriel broke the brakes, so it just keeps going, and like he's got to find a way to get on the train. Like there's so many different layers and aspects to it that is just hilarious and entertaining all all together, and it's crazy. It's, it's so crazy, so elaborate, and so well detailed. And then you get like the action. This third act is is not my favorite of the Mission Impossibles, but I get why it's up there. Like, and just everything that goes into it, I thought I thought was really good. Like, so like which aspect of this train scene do you want to talk about? Now start from the beginning. Because <laughs> we got, uh, so we got. The, the, the setup is that uh, Grace is supposed to go on the train. As the White Widow. Yeah, pretending to be the White Widow. And, you know, 
figure out where the two keys, connect the two keys and figure out, you know, who to give them to, who's the buyer, whatever. And what they unlock, that whole jazz. And Ethan is supposed to get on the train so that, you know, he can ensure her safety, make sure, you know, that they get off together or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But Gabriel's already on the train. He kills the conductor. He breaks the brake so that the train just goes. <laughs> and that's just the setup. <laughs> that's just the setup. And then we find uh, the director's there, and he's trying to broker an ally with uh, Gabriel, uh, which that part I don't quite understand. Like, it's Cariel was his character. I mean, right. this is his, this is his role with every movie he's in, like yeah. with the exception of Saw, he's always playing a double agent, right? But, and like, I don't know if it's just a really weird typecast or just that's just always the roles he just randomly ends up in. But he's just always playing a double agent. Yeah, and like that I understand, but like I don't, I don't think I quite understood the conversation, and I'm, I may just have to rewatch it. You know, to fully get the full grasp of it, but like, because I was confused because I'm like, we already got the, the the IMF guy there, and he's dealing with uh, White Widow, brokering you know the key, and then the director of intelligence is there to to make an allyship with with Gabriel, yeah, for for. What exactly? Like, like, I wasn't. I like. I'm pretty sure. Like, somebody could explain it to me, but I was a little bit lost on what, what exactly he he was doing there. Well, he was there with the president too, right? I don't think so. No, you're. Um, I think you're Zach. I think you're thinking of just Kitridge. Um, yeah, Carrie Carrie L was his character, the guy who had his throat slashed. In the back room where um remember he was talking with gabriel and he was like Haha, gabriel you can't kill me i'm the only person who knows where this key is or oh, where this key unlocks yeah. yeah 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 i, I don't know <laughs> like i just don't understand what he was aiming for i guess he was trying to say like if you do unlock this like you know you'll work with us i guess or work with him in brokering, you know, some kind of deal where he was trying to create a dictatorship of like yeah. the world. Yeah, sounds like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I need to it, like it, I'm not faulting the film for this because I just I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it since Tuesday of like how exactly that conversation went down. So I'm not I'm I'm not going to fault the film for that. I I blame myself for not re- fully remembering what all was going on. Right. Yeah, I was just a little bit confused by it. Uh, it's not it's not like a major thing. It's just like and maybe like once I see it again, it'll make a little bit more sense. But yeah, that was the only thing I was just not not a hundred percent sure about exactly what what he was trying to gain from it. And it just felt weird having both him and Kittredge there. Felt like they both had you know something to gain, mm-hmm. but I wasn't exactly sure if they shared the same goals or if they had different goals or what those different goals were i yeah. wasn't wasn't quite lining up for me in, in that aspect yeah if i if i see this movie again in theaters i'm definitely gonna go see it in dolby because it'll be clearer voice yeah 
because I, I I really want to go like just sit down and um and just watch this again. Maybe with subtitles or something. Yeah, subtitles will help. <laughs> yes, so, subtitles always help. always help. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, man, just diving into this, just like um, when Grace takes over as the White Widow and she goes to sit down with Kittredge and like there, it's revealed to us that she's meeting with Kittredge. Meanwhile, he's the person that uh, Ethan was like, oh yeah, talk to him. He'll clear your name perfectly fine. Just tell him Ethan, Ethan gave you a choice. And then all of that is just thrown out the window for a tiny bit when the whole scene happens, I'm like, wait a second, why is Kittredge here? Like, (laughs) I mean, something that Mission Impossible always does, I don't understand why, is every time you have a character that you, like, in higher power, that you think is, like, good, they, like, they're revealed to not be good, but, like, towards the end of the film, they're back to being revealed good. Yeah, Like, they did it with Lawrence Fishburne, they did it with Kittredge in the first film, they're doing it with Kittredge again in this one. It's just confusing, but at the same time, I like they all have their own missions of like trying to play double agent. So like I'm not gonna fault the film for that either, because like I just I need to convince myself to not well, to stop believing that they're actually bad and they're just playing the double agent. Well, I wonder because um like we're gonna get a part two. So I think I think more will be revealed of Kittridge's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second one, and what what exactly his motivation is, or what he's after. Uh, so, yeah, I think they kind of left it in the air, for the most part. But I mean, he doesn't sound like he's on the right side. <laughs> like, at least it doesn't sound that way. Maybe that'll be revealed later. Maybe there's a piece of of the story that we're missing. But yeah, it it it's up in the air right now with that character. Um, as, as far as as far as we know, based on the end of this movie, but mm-hmm. I do love that at the end of this, um, Ethan's got the key, right? And Gabriel's got a lighter, <laughs> and I think that's a fascinating place to end it because it's like he was so confident because he had all the all the answers, he had the power, and now he doesn't. So that makes me wonder where we're gonna go from here. Um, Tom Tom Cruise is is in his sixties. He said he's he wants to continue doing Mission Impossible movies till he's in his eighties. Um, which yeah, he amazing. wants to be the next Harrison Ford. Yeah, which would be amazing. So, personally, I mean, for me, I don't want an eighty year old Ethan Hunt running around. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't, need, I don't need to see an eighty year old Ethan Hunt running around. Yeah. I personally think that they're doing. They're saying that about Ethan Hunt, like. Uh, Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt until he's 80. I think they're saying that currently as a curveball. I really honestly truly think they're going to kill him off in Dead Reckoning Part 2. Mm. That'll be interesting. I Like me personally, I would love it if the series had a definitive ending. Uh, hopefully before it becomes the world of spinoffs. Not even just that, but like, uh, you know, just before it reaches past its expiration date. And it's no longer entertaining or interesting. This has been, like, in my opinion, the best long-running franchise that I've ever seen. So I hope it's able to end um, still that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got maybe one or two weaker movies, but for the most part, you are solid. 
all the way through. So I just, I don't want to, I don't want it to get to a point where I'm like, oh, like <laughs> that really dropped the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather, I'd rather you guys end on a high note and this, this would be the ultimate high note. So, yeah. but for me, but um, back to that trade sequence, um, like all the intricacies and the conversations are crazy enough, but then <laughs> we, we get to finally uh, Tom Cruise confronting Gabriel on top of the train. Not even that yet. Like, <laughs> listen, I know we've mentioned this whole mountain bike jump for oh, like <laughs> this entire recording. We can't just skip past that. Right, oh true. my God, dude. Like I knew he was going to be totally fine. I knew he was going to make it on that train just based on the trailer. Right. Getting there was yeah. so awesome. <laughs> and the jump was sick. Like, oh my god um benji being like uh, he ethan was like hey i estimated the wrong turn benji was like nope uh yeah about that uh you're gonna have to jump <laughs> oh i love that yeah they leave out stuff to, to tell them sometimes like that was hilarious <laughs> like, I love... he's like i didn't want to bother you about the nuclear bomb and he's like that's something you bother me about <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's like that's something you tell me. <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, and I love like he just says, "Okay, the only way to do this is actually have to go higher." <laughs> like, it's like I gotta go higher to jump off of this thing, and and you just jump... see him let out the biggest sigh of his life. <laughs> the jump is sick. Like we've all seen, like I think they even put it in the trailer, like his jump and, and like he goes down for a long time before he you know what I'm saying pulls up the parachute but like when you see it in context in the movie like this is why like i think they said like they had to do like they had to do this jump like 20 some odd times but like the reason is because you get so many different angles of it and you get to see all those like you get to see like you know underneath angle on top of them from a wide angle it's really really cool because it shows you like how far he has to go down in each level and 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 just when like you know he has to release the parachute in order to to safely land so i thought i thought they just did it that that stunt is shout out to the camera Oh, oh yeah, yeah. the cameramen yeah. earned their paycheck that day. But... See, see, it's films <laughs> like this in John Wick Chapter Four that just makes you beg for the Academy to make a stunt work category, mm-hmm. like yeah. best in stunts. Like you need to make that happen. Like you're almost at a hundred <laughs> years of the Oscars. You could literally call it the Tom Reeves Award stunt award. <laughs> like I don't care, but yeah. Even though those are going to be the only guys who win it yeah. for like the longest time, but yeah, <laughs> like like they need to make like the Emmys have a stunt category. Why can't the Oscars? Like TV and film are both like they both have insane stunt actors that don't ever get like like paid any attention to, and it's so unfortunate because like listen. Tom Cruise, I get it. He's his own stunt man. Nominate that man for a stunt. Nominate Keanu Reeves for a stunt. Nominate the guy who got kicked down all those stairs in John Wick Chapter 4. 
Nominate the guy who drove downstairs backwards as well. <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about the towards the end of the film, John McCord. I'm talking about that the guy uh, in Japan who gets kicked down the escalator. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> that guy took a pretty bad bump. Yeah, that dude took a nasty one. Uh, <laughs> but you know what else? And I have to point this out. Um, the thing that really impresses about this movie is it's both the script is really, really strong, but the spectacle is also really strong as well. Like we talked, like there's so many great action set pieces in this movie. And you might think that that's all this movie offers. It doesn't. Like you got a great script, strong character development, strong villain, strong uh, antagonist, strong arc for all of these characters. Uh, the motivation is real. And like, it's a part one. <laughs> and it right? has an ending. Uh, no, it doesn't actually. It's almost yes, it exactly does. the same as a No, nope, nope, it, no, it has No, ending. it literally is. It literally nope. is. It's yeah, a part it literally one. Is, it's a part okay, one of hold a part on. two story. I don't it understand literally how you're ends saying that. in the middle of the story of, oh, okay, this guy has something. The story's not finished and we're off. Like, okay. it's literally the exact same thing. We'll but, get to that in a second. We got to we'll, finish this whole train sequence first. Yeah, like so. But on top of that, it's just the the melding of the two, the melding of spectacle and storytelling that works incredibly, incredibly well. And it's the kind of thing where you're like, to me, I don't know how Tom Cruise does this. <laughs> like, like I'm in, impressed every time by Tom Cruise and and the movies that he chooses to be in, and just the way that he's able to find incredible stories incredible scripts i also should shout out christopher mcquarrie because he's you know also a part a writer on this as well and just the way that they're able to develop this story of ethan hunt and this imf team and the the challenges that they face um fallout to me was incredible it was so so good and especially because uh these guys spend that entire movie trying to stop something from happening that no one ever knows happens. And that that is literally their job. And I think that's insane and that's incredible. And the lengths that they go through to, to achieve that is astonishing. So I loved it. But the blending of spectacle and script, I think, is one of the fascinating things that this movie does. Oh, totally. I just I it, it just everything just works so well together. Like even the even the characters like I I know this goes part of like the screenwriting, just the chemistry like I mean because it goes hand in hand with the actors the the chemistry between Ethan and Grace um, Haley Atwell and um, Tom Cruise, it's so good. And uh, it looks like she's going to be with this franchise for hopefully for a while. That that's my hope is that she'll be in the franchise for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they they killed off the other love interest, so <laughs> so let's hope that they make something out of it. I don't know. Like, I mean, I I would have rather it been Ilsa, but that's just me. anyway. <laughs> uh, man, um, so rolling back to that train sequence, just that entire top of the train 
between him, Gabriel, and two CIA agents. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> god, dude, it's just so well done. And like, I just I realized like they had a, a top train fight sequence in the first Mission Impossible, and they haven't had another one since. So like, this was like especially you like just impressive them having to dodge all of like the the light posts that are like coming at them. Then there's the tunnel. And then uh, Gabriel's still trying to hit him with a knife. Like, yeah, the knife fight is insane. <clears throat> like, then they're hang- both hanging off the side of the train. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, like, it- it's it's high, high octane, intense stuff. Like, you got to be very impressed uh, with what they accomplished there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, 100%. Yeah, and then to have, yeah, then to have... Gabriel escaped. Oh my god, they killed me with that. I was like, dude, y'all are ruining everything. <laughs> These freaking CIA agents. I'm like, what are y'all doing, bro? Like, like oh yeah. Better look next time, Batman. <laughs> but I'm like, like, you know, if you're setting up for a part two, it makes sense. But that just ah, uh, that drove me crazy. So basically uh, in like the same as Spider-Verse and literally, but you yeah. know, whatever. <laughs> but like um then we get to the train crashing like the 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 blowing up of the bridge and that is probably oh my, my favorite gosh yeah. talk about anxiety <laughs> like yeah dude i was like i was like in my seat like oh like oh man Oh, and the last car fell, and you're yeah. like, did they just die? And they were like standing there. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, oh, like I love how they did that too. Like they, they so like they got everybody to the back. They're on like the first two two trains, whatever. They they managed to get off of that, right? And that one goes down. So they're like, okay, we're gonna go back inside. But of course, trains are still moving. So like it's. E- eking off the side and of course they enter the cart where the the food is so i'm like so i see the fryer i was like oh god they're gonna yeah die. <laughs> I yeah like, i mean i saw it and i was like okay if this were real their shoes would get burned off right. their feet and their skin would be falling off oh, like right. those fryers are no joke to joke, dude. they're like 400 500 degrees hot like it is and it's yeah. flying out i was like oh we I'm like, I don't think they'll make it off of this one, let alone get to another. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. I was like, okay, in real life, they'd have third degree burns. Like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Almost certain. Did, did, they didn't touch the fryers, though, right? No, they uh, didn't touch the grease at all. No, so they, they slightly avoided it, at least according yeah. to the camera work. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, not, but not like, really though. But like, if it if it was like on their feet and they don't have you know uh, the right shoes on, like like they're screwed, like because. I think the floor was um uh not cement, but like it was like a sheetrock or something like that. And so like, you know, if you got grease on that, like you're sliding, bro. Like there's just no getting around it. But like for the sake of the movie, they was like, look, just get them to another car. <laughs> Which was also dope, because then you had the piano in it, and I was like, oh dude, that was that was scary. Like <laughs> That was scary. It just I I thought they played it all so so incredibly well. And then to have Paris with the save. <laughs> like that was just dope. 
Just don't. I dug it. And I think Paris is going to be a CIA agent. <laughs> now, moving forward, if she survives, which I think she does. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, she's got a pulse. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, I can see it happening. Um, I think just everybody's going to come together and try and like stop the entity. Except Gabriel. Gabriel's going to be that one guy. Did you guys see they casted Nick Offerman and uh, Holton Canley in part two? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which I'm really excited for. Holt McCanley is a great actor. Um, like Nick Offerman too is, is too, but right. Holt McCanley isn't really talking about much. He was uh, um he was in Mind Hunter. I don't know if you've seen that, Phoenix. I have not. I've heard good oh, things man. about him though. Yeah, he's great in that. Um, but yeah. You guys have oh yeah, okay, hold on. This was not a cliffhanger ending where it just ended in the middle of a scene. Not in the middle of a scene, but literally in the middle of a story. So pretty because that's how I mean, like again, it's a part one, part two. But but it's but 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 it's not like but Spider Verse just did it in the wrong way. Okay, this one actually had an ending to it. Okay, it's it set up the story for the next one of just panning down on the submarine and like, hey, this is where we're going in the next one. This is stay tuned. Okay. Across the Spider Verse just ends right when he's literally about to fight Prowler Miles. Okay. So basically, you're saying it's like the same. No, <laughs> not at all. Like he was literally about to like throw a punch, or was he? We don't know. <laughs> it literally shows it. But you don't know. But you don't know. Shut up. <laughs> No, I'm I'm on I'm on the side that I'm on the side of that this actually had an ending. It That's didn't cool. have an ending because it they did have an ending. No, they no because the key is still they still don't know what happens with the key. Part one was getting the keys, right? But just like <laughs> the Spider Verse was part one of. Infinity. Okay, so explain. Uh, so does Infinity War have an ending? Yeah. Yeah. Infinity War ended. With Thanos getting what he wanted. But Infinity War isn't a part one. Infinity War is a solo movie. Actually, no. They originally called Endgame Infinity War. They originally called Endgame Infinity War Part One and Part Two, and then they changed the name of it to give because an actual they official had title. Actual ending. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't compare Infinity War to to any other Part One. Infinity War is a literal movie. It's not even a part one. It's uh, its own movie. That's why they changed the name. You know better on this one, Phoenix? What about uh, Twilight? I've never seen a single Mm -hmm. Twilight movie. What about Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Part 2? No, those are are part one and part two. Okay. Breaking Dawn literally ends uh, before the um, Volturi get there. And that's the the heart of of that story is that they have to confront the full tour. So like, if, I think when you're talking about part ones and part twos, when you have something um, that is the, the heart of your story, right? That is the whole thing that we're getting towards. If we don't get towards that in the first film, then we are literally ending on a cliffhanger, no matter what. So like in Infinity War, the goal was 
to stop Thanos from getting all the stones so that he couldn't achieve his goal. He does that. That's why that's a complete movie. Uh, with Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Part 2, the whole point is to confront the Volturi. We don't do that until the second one, so that's why that's a Part 1. With Across the Spider-Verse, actually, I won't be able to tell you exactly what that point is because until we see the next movie, but there's clearly a specific goal that they have in mind that they have not gotten to yet and that will be revealed in beyond the spider-verse so that's why that's a part one and part two the same is true here we have a key that we have to unlock that and, and or we don't want to unlock we have to destroy we don't do that so therefore it is an incomplete story that's what makes it a part one and part two so the agree same disagree is, okay <laughs> But the same is true for, for all part ones and part twos. If there's a goal in mind and that goal isn't accomplished by the end of the first movie, then it's all go, always going to end on a cliffhanger. No matter how the cliffhanger is done, that is how it's going to end. And it technically can't be a complete movie because it needs that goal to be accomplished. That, that's why there's, there's part ones and part twos. So okay. while I love this movie, it is technically an incomplete movie. <laughs> I disagree, my friend. So, all right. Yeah. All right. So, any, let's... any other last minute thoughts? Uh, I'm good, man. I think we 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 nailed it. <laughs> Indeed, so, we did. So, Zach, what is your official rating for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One? <laughs> uh, I gave it a four and a half. Oh, also a correction on my Spider Verse. I actually did give that five stars. Way to go, sir. <laughs> All right, Brandon, where are you going? I'm going to have to go with easy five stars. Just the chemistry, the action, the stunt work, just everything worked for me in this film. Um, and like, I, I think I've gotten to the point where, like, if a film is really, really good, I'm not going to be super critical over it. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's just so many movies I've watched over the past couple weeks. I'm like, okay, no, like this is an easy five for me. So I, I think this also goes up there with it. Just I'm excited for Dead Reckoning Part Two. Um, I who knows if it's coming out next year anymore because of this whole oh, yeah. writers <laughs> and screen actors guild strike. Who knows? Like there Maybe is going to be if it's already like, shot, then yes, but if not, it's. Yeah. <laughs> almost it's almost fully filmed um according to google all they have left to do is principal photography but yeah. uh, what about you phoenix so i was settled on a four but there's no way i could legitimately keep this out of four stars just too too good of a movie so i'm going up to a four and a half um i think this is one of so far one of the best movies we've gotten all year um <laughs> this, this franchise has not disappointed me. It's been fantastic all the way through. Uh, so I'm a solid four and a half. I think uh, I think they hit it out of the park. And I really, really can't wait to see this next part. I hope we get it soon. Like you said, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, it's looking up in the air. But when we get it, I think, I think that was probably going to be a solid five as well. Because I think this is just... It's just excellent franchise filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. alrighty, boys. That is a that is two four and a half stars from Phoenix and Zach. That is a five for me. 
Uh, without further ado, I say we move on to what's good. What's good? What's good? What's good? So, like I said, I, I, most of my time has been taken up watching uh, Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> but um, I did get a chance to finally start something new uh, just yesterday, and I've already binged it. I, my binge habits are terrible, but um, <laughs> so there's a new series on Netflix uh, detailing uh, last year's uh, football season, and it follows three quarterbacks. Uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, Kirk Cousins, and Patrick Mahomes throughout the 2022 season leading up to the Super Bowl. And it's been fascinating, right? Like, I'm, I'm a big football fan, obviously. Um, I'm also a big Chiefs fan. <laughs> so, like, seeing, like, so that drew me into watching this documentary. Um, it's really cool. I think it's only eight episodes, but they're all about an hour long. And they follow these three quarterbacks and their story and their journey uh, of the season and how it went for them. Uh, very fascinating stuff, in-depth uh, stuff, things that you might not know if you were just watching the games. So, um, but I highly recommend it. Uh, check it out. Like I said, I've already binged it. Very compelling stuff. But that's uh, quarterback on Netflix for me. Zach, what about yeah. you? So for me, um, I haven't watched that many movies lately, um, but I have been watching this one show. It's an anime. It's really, really good. And it's called Psychopaths. It's like a very futuristic, like dystopian society where like the government has eyes everywhere. And like you're judged by like the way that you take your actions and what you do like but they basically like scan their bodies and can read like their mind and like or like their emotions and then come up with this number and if it gets above a certain one then they have to like put them in like mental care facilities or like uh some of them if they're like a high number they're like that means like they're a bad person so they have to put that like they have to take them out so like it, it's oh. a crazy anime like and it's so good and there's like constant quotes from like actual like historical books like oh, they wow. yeah and it, it it is like so good it's called psycho pass p-a-s-s not path okay gotcha yeah and it's on i think it's on crunchyroll so good to know uh, so for me, my what's good, um, I have just been watching so many movies lately. Yesterday, for the first time, I watched The Nice Guys, uh, starring Ryan Gosling and uh, Russell Crowe. That movie is freaking hilarious. Um, I, I think I gave it a solid four star. Um, I just I love that movie so much. Um, have you have you seen it, Zach? uh i have not actually i have not seen that movie all right it's on netflix highly it's it's not it's like less than two hours too it's highly worth your time um that movie's just so funny um i think just easily the chemistry works between russell crowe and um and ryan gosling it's just 
they are just so hilarious together and just the story that they go on is great as long as it's not that free guy humor it's not free guy humor like phoenix can tell you it's not free guy humor no it's not free guy humor it's not trash humor that's good free free guy humor is better (laughs) it's not trash humor got it okay cool yeah i mean just this film just it worked for me so much like like there are so many times like there's a there are so many different lines that like randomly make me just burst out laughing it's 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 such a good movie um i'll check it out for sure yeah definitely check it out it's it's yeah it's it's so good no animals in the house sweetheart (laughs) this movie's the movie's funny like it's got some great lines Uh, yeah, thanks, buddy. How did you know my name was Buddy? Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Nice. The nice guys. I have Shane, so many other Shane films. Black. Shane Black directed that too. Shane Black did direct it. What? Yeah. Did he, what else did he direct? I've, I'm trying Shane to Black. See. Shane Black's done some good stuff. Oh, he did Iron Man three. Yeah. Um. I mean, he also did a really bad movie, The Predator twenty eighteen. Yeah. That movie sucks. Yeah, you, know, you can't win them all. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you cannot win them all. So uh, but yeah, no, the nice guys is such a good movie. But I keep saying that. But <laughs> so that is um I've already forgotten the titles of you guys. Uh quarterback on Netflix, Psychopaths yep. for Zach and Nice Guys for Brandon. Uh yeah. yeah. Please check those out because they all sound pretty very interesting and entertaining so uh let us know you guys can find us on twitter and instagram and threads at film code pod all right so oh crap we didn't we didn't play the court today. Yeah, it's uh, okay it's okay we'll we'll have one next week we're not uh, on next week or the week after that so we'll see you guys then uh Brandon, let everybody know where they can find you, sir. Yeah, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C ears. Uh, go check out what I'm watching. Um, man, like, it's just, I've just been logging so many movies lately. Just, I've been able to sit down and just binge so many different movies have just, like, I, I mentioned this on our last episode, but just, like, so many like blind spots of films that I just did not know I had. And like, when I get ready to watch another one, I'm like, wait, I still got to watch this one. Mm-hmm. And just So eventually I'll reach a point where I see every movie that I've been wanting to see for a while. Awesome. All right. And Zach, where can everybody find you, sir? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Sneath. That is Z-A-C-H-S-N-E-A-T-H. Uh, you guys can also find me on Letterbox at Z Sneaks. That is Z S N E A K S. And you guys can find me on Twitter at IMHO Reviews One. That's the number one. And on Letterbox under P A Cloudin. And as always, guys, please follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads at Film Code Pod. And we will see you guys next week or later. <laughs> we are out of here. Peace. <laughs>